This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. Oh, my God. That is like Paul Brennan. I love you. Lisa Abramowitz is in the house. Can I just say, well, first of all, big fan club. I'm just saying. It's mutual. Yeah. Um, One of our most read stories in the Bloomberg. It includes some comments by an amazing interview that you did today on uh, Bloomberg. Has to do with the PIMCO Chief Investment Officer, Dan Iveson. So talk to us a little bit about your conversation and what stood out for you. Well, the first thing, so Dan Iveson is Chief Investment Officer of $1.7 trillion PIMCO. He also happens to manage the world's biggest bond fund that's actively managed. Not a big deal or anything. No big deal. But one thing that I thought was really interesting was the emphasis on flexibility and sort of the the nuance in what he said. In other words, we're not headed toward Armageddon next year, but it could be kind of ugly and uncomfortable. Take a listen to what he said about credit. We are beginning to see a few select opportunities across credit markets, but we remain concerned about credit in general. Uh, and I'm referring to, to again, non-financial corporate credit mostly. So there's sort of like this this trying to thread a a needle here, which is kind of bearish generally, but, you know, there can be opportunities idiosyncratically. This doesn't like sort of lend itself to sort of, we're bulls, we're bears. Right. And one of the things that I was trying to get to as I was listening to this earlier, and you and I were talking about a little bit off air is, you you talked about the size and scope of what Iveson manages and what PIMCO manages, but the credit market is unbelievably important to the broader investment world to every type of investor because as credit goes really so goes the market because it's such a reflection of the underlying economy right well and he said that cash which has been the best performing asset so far in the u.s this year has a good chance of being it again next year which is a really interesting kind of thesis although he isn't as bearish in investment grade corporate bonds in the united states uh, or he doesn't expect them to do as poorly as they've done this year but Yes, that does speak to this feeling that we are in a rapidly deteriorating economy, that the best is behind us. And even though we might not see a recession next year, uh, you know, how do you manage that? And, it, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the size and scope, because when you are managing so much money, how do you navigate a market that is rather antiquated still, that yeah. isn't traded on exchange, that, you know, where liquidity can dry up in a heartbeat? And, and I think that a lot of people are kind of planning around that. So you also talked to him a little bit about Brexit and the repercussions there. What I thought was interesting is when I talk to most investors, they say it's very hard to trade around Brexit, but they're seeing some opportunities. Take a listen. Even under very extreme negative scenarios for Brexit, you know, when looking at the banking system there, you know, we don't believe that even under worst case type scenarios, uh, the viability of some of these larger financial institutions uh, is at risk. So he's talking about buying credit of UK banks. We're talking the RBSs, the Lloyds, the HSBCs, et cetera. If you look at their bonds, they've gotten hammered. And he's saying, you know, it's it's not like they're going out of business. Right. But isn't it or and isn't it interesting, though, that we're at the point where we're having to say the banks aren't going to go out of business. Yay. You know, <laughs> the, the, like. Well, absolutely. I mean, and this sort of goes to uh, what he was talking about with overshooting and how when you have a market that has been 
so fundamentally inflated by quantitative easing, by all of these monetary policies, that, you know, if things get pulled out from under the, these assets, it can fall a lot. So it does come down to, okay, have we gotten to the point where we could say that, you know, RBS isn't going to fail again? You know what I mean? Right. This is, and so we are getting back to a point where we're not headed toward another 2008, but there could be a lot of these potholes. How actively are they trading this market at this point? Well, interestingly, they said that they're increasingly trying to rotate their asset mix to, uh, to things they can trade quickly. So credit default swap indexes, broad derivatives that are sort of uh, trying to mimicking, uh, trying to mimic the broader corporate credit market, basically trying to say, we want to move fast. So if there is this dislocation, if people are sort of tearing their hair out and selling everything, they want to be coming in and buying. Lisa, one of the many things we love about you is that you are a reporter at heart. You know, like me, you came up through the BN side. You're always working the phones. Um, does this jive with what other investors are saying to you about the state of credit and the state of the markets overall? Um, yes, in the sense that people are becoming more cautious. Yes, in that people are also seeing that there isn't really fundamental risk of credit defaults imminently, like a wave of them. So there could be opportunities in the short term or even longer term if you really like the name. No, in terms of diversification, in terms of, you know, some people are saying it's better to concentrate or buy a lot of one company if you really love it oh. versus diversifying, which is what Dan Iveson said. Especially if you know it, you know the story, right? You've looked into Correct. it. Correct. Right? So Eaton Vance, Eaton Vance, for example, is sort of taking more of that tack. Mm. Um, there's sort, sort of, of all in on one name. Or, you know, on, on a couple of names yeah. that they really like. Um, the other thing that I, I find really interesting, cash holdings, whether or not to deploy or not. And whether that's the We've been hearing that from a bunch of our guests, too, that that's where they're finding They're like, you can make some money in terms of cash right now. The other thing that I think is a really controversial uh, area is emerging markets. Some people think that it will outperform next year uh, after its big sell-off this year. Other people don't think so. And Dan Iveson did weigh in on that, and he said that it, there was more value there a couple months ago. Now there's still some value, but the rally isn't going to be that big. We're talking Argentina and Turkey, et cetera. Very quickly, recession, did that come up at all? Yeah, Next he's, year, or could be. Could I mean, be. it seemed like we're heading toward there, but he's not ready to call, call it, it yet. He called it flashing orange light, but right? not red. Yeah, but exactly. Red. So you know, flashing orange. What do you do with that? Right. I don't know. Exactly. Well, not surprisingly, uh, the story that this interview is based on one of the most read stories on the Bloomberg nice because work. when you talk to someone who's got one point seven trillion dollars uh, at his disposal. People tend to uh, perk up and listen. Sort of great, like Jason. Great interview. Can I just say, you can check out her whole interview with Dan Iveson, Lisa Bromowitz's interview, on Bloomberg Best beginning at 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Grab some coffee or get in your car, head home, and listen to that interview. Listen Aww, to a little Lisa a. Lisa a. She's the best. Lisa Bromowitz, our colleague and co-host of Bloomberg Markets. Get back to work. <laughs> wow. So the small things, for sure, we're going to talk about that. We could have also, uh, you know, played a second line tune for our next guest, uh, George Young, up with us from New Orleans. This is one of these interviews where I feel like, couldn't we have just done this in New Orleans with Carol? <laughs> that uh, would have been, been more so fun. George is a, a partner and portfolio manager at Villery Funds, overseeing about $2.1 billion uh, down there in the Big Easy, here with us in New York in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studio today. George, great to have you with us. We're Thank really you. happy Thank you stopped by. Thank you very much. Um, 
So small caps, small and mid caps is your focus. And as Carol was saying, we heard from our stocks editor, Dave Wilson, earlier um, about the action there. How would you describe it when you look across your portfolio? Uh, been a little painful, I have to admit, in the last three months. But therein lies a secret because, again, it's, it's, it's obvious, but you want to buy stocks when they're down. And hopefully they will go up after this. So all of a sudden, you've had a reset in the valuation. At the end of the day, anybody investing in stocks needs to be paying attention to the valuations. So now you've got some attractive values. I have to say three, four months ago, we were 15% in cash. But now we're itching to buy some stocks. And it depends on which stocks. But you haven't bought yet? Haven't bought yet. Ah. But, but, but we're primed to. I mean, I want to buy some. But again, investing takes a certain amount of discipline. So you have to buy what's right. And we, we want some new names, and we're always looking at new names. We want to talk names with you. I just want yes. to point out, though, the Russell 2000 is down almost 18% from the high back in late August. Mid-cap, if I look at the S&P mid-cap 400, it's down about 14.2% from that uh, August, late August high. So you're right. It's not been an easy space Correct. to play around in. Um, but let's talk about names. Um, but you're not. So wait a minute. If you're not buying yet, what are you waiting for? The right names, meaning, as you might expect, we have ideas that are coming to us or that we find on a daily basis. But we're not going to buy something every day, and we shouldn't buy something every day. Right. So we want to find the right names that complement the sectors we're in, complement the stocks that we're in right now. So we're always looking for new names, and there's probably 10 to 15 that are, quote, on our radar at the moment. But, um, you know, you've got to do your research, do your homework and any project, and make sure that you are prepared to put – capital and allocate it correctly. So let's talk about a couple of names you are in. Uh, one that I know both Carol and I have followed uh, pretty closely is WW, uh, the artist formerly known as Weight Watchers. We know Mindy Grossman uh, well. In fact, Carol just did an interview with her uh, a couple weeks ago at our Year Ahead conference. Uh, that's a name that I think we're both uh, fascinated by, if I can yeah. speak for both no, of us fair. on this one. Yeah. Uh, Carol, why do you like it? Well, a couple things. You hit the nail on the head earlier when you said the name change. It's no longer White Watchers. It's WW, and that's to emphasize wellness as a whole. So before it was watching your weight, i.e. eating correctly, let's not forget the other legs of the stool, which are exercise, and also stress management, which you know we all have a certain Meditation. amount of stress in our Meditation. She's like, embrace that things. onto the platform. Right. But the question is, what took them so long to figure that out? Well, okay. They, they, it, the answer is obvious. They've done it now. The other is web-based applications. They were a little late to the game yeah. in doing that. Uh, another reason is, of course, you know, Oprah Winfrey is their spokesman. She's been great. And one of their Spoke- largest shareholders. Correct. She owns about 8%. And they're about to be announcing two new spokespeople. And that's going to be good because, again, it's an international company. So these spokespeople, I'm going to assume, are outside of the norm that we would necessarily recognize. But in their push to be international, they're going to get other people that are well-known. That's exactly what they're doing. We tried to – I tried to get it out of Mindy when we were talking at the year conference. Yes. <laughs> she's like, I'm not doing – but they are also getting ready. They've been making – I mean, she's been there about a year and a half now mm-hmm. uh, at the company. And they are getting ready to kind of do a whole new rollout in terms of their platforms. They've been kind of, you know, bringing some things new out. But in the new year – and they're also going to do another big marketing campaign with Oprah Correct. in addition to the new spokesperson. But her whole – idea and Jason and I talk about this all the time about kind of embracing all of your life it's not just about eating the right food but it's so many different elements correct and one other facet is is there not that many men that participate in Mm -hmm. their program so let's not forget about us guys we could use a little help right absolutely we could use a lot of help it is down 52 (laughs) percent though from that June 20th high why not buy or are you buying it Yes, we are, are buying. Now, we own it, but we have new money coming in consistently. And so that's one of my number one favorites. If you were to say, George, I'm putting you on the spot, what do you think is going to do the best in the next year? 
that's one of my top picks. I think wow. So. And, and let me just mention one other thing. Just you get into the supply and demand of stock markets. Uh, one of their big holders that owned, I believe it was uh, 15, 18% of the company, reduced their holdings. Ah. So all of a sudden you had a big supply coming right. on. And that's not part of the earnings story, but it is part of the story altogether. It's part of the market story, uh, ultimately, in terms of the availability of the shares. George Young, a partner and portfolio manager at Villery Funds down in New Orleans. $2.1 $2.1 billion under management. Come back and see us the next time you're in town or, okay. you know, I am, I'm going to agitate for a remote uh, to talk to you and some of your uh, money yeah. and business we'll friends down there. We'll see how that goes there. over with management. Yeah, I just maybe around the down. Sugar Bowl. I don't know. Yeah. Just something. something uh, Mardi Gras or something. Yeah, Jazz Fest. I don't know. There are a lot of good reasons <laughs> uh, to go to, to go down south. talk about the last Titans dinner of 2018. Back with us is Steve Kroll, Managing Director at Mona's Crespi Heart and Company in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studio. And of course, this is where you gather together a bunch of guys who are managing a lot of money and each of them has a certain amount of time and they put out their investment ideas. It's not debated. They just say, here's what I'm finding interesting. Right, Carol. We get some debate, but we try and hold that for uh, later on at another uh, another time because we have 18 people that present. We try and get their two or three best ideas, and it's uh, it's it starts at six o'clock. It ends exactly at eight o'clock because that's the attention span of all the, all the people there. But interesting um, thing happened. Uh, I think uh, a couple of the guys, or let me back up. When we were met at the U.S. Open, we were talking about if there was a correction coming, it had to come, and it was about three weeks later, and it came, and we're 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 in it. Uh, right. Now I think that we're oversold. The market will try and grind out a rally of some sort, nothing big. And that's just because you have a few things that are kind of put on the back burner. Brexit seems to be now you know, several months away. The vote's over with. Uh, the Fed is going to raise next week. Uh, but then it looks like they're going to wait. We don't mm-hmm. know how, right. depending upon the data. And China, one of the uh, Rick New was there last night from CV Star, and they know China better than anyone else. And he just said, "You know, have patience. Don't worry about ninety days. It's not even close. These people think in in centuries. So you're probably talking a year before these tariffs. Even though Trump's the tariff man or whatever it is, it's going to be a good year. So you may get in China get in getting the the, the tariffs oh, done. agreed on on both sides." Um, so the market can kind of you know, do what it is. What we're worried about is as we move into the first quarter, uh, earnings again, and everybody that we talk to says because of the th- three or four things I just mentioned, everything has stopped. Everyone's confused. Every company is confused. You can kind of feel uh, that. And it, it right? really, uh, you know, you're seeing it in housing, but that's for a different reason. You're seeing it a little bit in autos. But every company you talk to, it's they're not wildly excited about 19. Now, we've already had the tax cuts, and we've already had a few other things. So that may be the, the time we take it, uh, test the lows again. And that, it mirrors what we just heard from Lisa Bromowitz about Dan Iveson over at PIMCO saying, right, you know, right. it might be a yeah. lot like we got this year. A lot year. of caution yeah. uh, yeah. And, and a little bit of worry. Um, as I look through the names that people were pitching at the dinner, Steve, a lot of tech uh, on this list. Microsoft pops up uh, a couple times. Broadcom uh, here Amazon, as well. Apple. Amazon. Um, what's the what's the general tech thesis, if you can generalize across, that or specifically be- what pitches people made? Well, in the case of Microsoft, I think it would be first in class. 
uh, of the other ones. Uh, Amazon and some of the other ones have come down in price, but it's generally a, uh, you know, the technology by the boom. Best. Yeah, by, it, technology boom is still going to be here. But I think that the real uh, uh, issue was, I, I talked to David Ross, made a great comment on, and he's an a old-time pro, when we were going around the room, and I asked everybody in this particular case, let's talk macro first, then we'll talk ideas. And recognizing even if we're in a correction, we can have some good ideas. But he said, guys, I've been in this business a long time, but this time it's, it's, it, it feels different. Mm-hmm. I have stocks that have good earnings. They don't go, they don't go up. I have stocks that have bad earnings. They, they get killed. And so usually that tells you, if you let the mark, if you let your portfolio tell you, unless you're making a huge bet in, in some area, it's going to tell you the market, it, money's coming out of the market, which goes back to what I was originally saying is there's no cash around and it's, and it's being, uh, there's almost forced liquidation when they do the algos and they do the ETFs and, and, and the mutual funds. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed that when you ask what the mutual fund cash is, it's 1%. Yeah. They could get 3% withdrawals a day and that then feeds on the ETFs, which have to sell to keep up with the other thing. And the algos are just going to follow. They so it's in. almost a catch-22 where it's, it's feeding on itself. Did people talk about, though, increasing their own positions of cash at this point, Your, the, the guys that were at the uh, dinner? There was not any great – there was only two people that had any meaningful cash, when I say meaningful cash, over 8%. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Uh, any other names jump out? I mean, I see Apollo, I believe, uh, Global Management. That was, yeah, that was Bill Miller, the son. Yeah. And he runs an income fund, and that's a 7.7% right. yield. So that would be a natural type. Uh, he yeah. likes that one over um, uh, Blackstone, Blackstone and, or KKR. And KKR. Yeah. So that yeah. was his first uh, That was his first pick. And he's he's pretty good. Um, two people had Stanley, Stanley Works as a quality um, – you know, industrial hardware. Yeah. Uh, Bill Miller has had Teva. Uh, Bill is still bullish. Uh, you know, he is a he's something else. Uh, you know, he was up two hundred percent, and then at the beginning of this year, he was up fifty, and now he's up eleven. Uh, but you know, so he's still he's still he's still great. Um, other names that I think that really popped out. Avago or Broadcom is... Uh, I was just looking just, at that because Jason and I talk a lot about it. I mean, obviously, we've been following it's, this one. It's had some great numbers, and it's, I would say, probably it's second or third in class on the after, after Microsoft, Amazon, and, and it would come, come there. What was it? Do you recall uh, what was the investment thesis and thinking behind Twitter? I think uh, one of the individuals, um, Mona, is it Areva over at TCW? Yeah, Mona, yes. She was uh, she actually the one that had it. It's at 49% this year. Yes, I know. Uh, and this is her second time mentioning it. And she just thinks that the, uh, the use is growing dramatically and something's going to happen and uh it stock acts much better than most most other ones i i like it except when you look at the earnings you don't really get any 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 uh free cash flow yeah uh, and then harvey eisen had nokia and i think nokia and ericsson it's not on here but would probably stand out that they will benefit from the 5g which one mm-hmm. of the major players is now uh not in the in the ball game so that that could uh that could play but uh uh, we were a little bit taken back by so, oh, and then the GE Preferred, oh, which yeah. was interesting, uh, by Bill Miller. Uh, that's a perpetual preferred, and um, that looks like um, you're either going to get seven percent or you're going to get called and get fourteen uh, percent. So it's uh, one name that I good. wanted to ask you about because there wasn't a huge amount of retail on here. Uh, Dan Hansen from Jana Partners talking uh, TJX. 
the parent of TJ Maxx. He thinks that it's you know one of the better uh, retailers. We all kind of question retail because retail is really spotty. Yeah, I mean, Those I saw TJ today. Maxx's are- Always busy. Well, that's what he was. Ba- he was saying almost like best, in, not best in class, but maybe yeah. second best in Marshall's, class. Right, right. Uh, Kohl's, right, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you know, they I saw Bed Bath uh, or Best Buy today, and you know, it's, it, retail this Christmas is not, the consumer is definitely holding back across the board. I agree with you. I in a big way. I've got. I feel into like a lot we're getting places. very mixed messages on that, which tends to lead to the negative because I think people want to be optimistic, but the reality is otherwise. Right. 100%, 100%. Right. Because I've walked into a lot of places and I'm like, this isn't that know. busy. And really what, what's happening is it's musical chairs. They're not getting rid of everybody. Yeah. But if it's not a good presentation or whatever it is, they're walking away. Were overall people more optimistic, more cautious, more what? This was the first sign I saw about 25% get a little bit more worried than this is. Then this is just a correction. A lot of them expected mm-hmm. to have a... 7% correction. We yeah. always kind of say yeah. that because that's what typically happens. But this is the first time where it's growing. It's still only 25% of the group, but that's, you know, a couple more days like yeah. uh, today or whatever it is, and they're going to, 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 I think, probably <laughs> worried in the first quarter. <laughs> Have a great Thank holiday. You. Happy holidays ha- to both of you. Yeah. Thank same you. to you. Steve Kroll, Managing Director at Monas Crespi Hart and Company in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week. I'm driving in my car. I turn on the radio. Yeah, how about you let me drive? Oh, no, 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 no. Who's gonna drive you home? Honey, please, I'll do the driving. Drive home. Excuse me, I wanna drive. Just drive, baby. It's the question that drives us. This is the drive to the close. That punk to music will drive us till the dawn. On Bloomberg Radio. It is time for the drive to the close on this Thursday afternoon. Back with us, Alan Zafrin. Uh, he is Senior Managing Director, Wealth Manager at First Republic Private Wealth Management. $131 billion in assets under management. Joining us once again from Palo Alto, California. Hey, Alan, good to have you here. I'm curious uh, if you've got if you've been moving into uh, more cash type investments. Hey, Carol, uh, glad to be on the show. The quick answer is no, other than um, like uh, you'd usually preach, make sure you have the risk that you wish for. So the volatility that we've witnessed, just like we did back in February this year, just reminds people that um, you got to have exposure to the sleep quotient. You should, if you're staying awake at night and can't sleep, you have too much in risk, then you should go to cash. But uh, no, the answer is no. I'm not spooked by this market in and of itself. I think this is a correction in the context of a still going equity bull market. So, all right. So then on the pullback that we've seen in a lot of names and really the overall market uh, through October and more recently, have you been then picking up and adding to some positions? And if so, what? Um, I've actually just making sure with clients that they're right in line with with their comfortable long-term investment objectives. To the degree equities have sold down a bit, if that means a very modest addition predominantly in U.S.-centered assets, that's where we've added, but it's been very selective. Um, There's clearly been a transition in this rotation away from where leadership was, which was industrials, technology, to what we call rust, which would be reach utilities, staples, 
telecom to some degree. But it's basically there's a little more of an interest in defensive names and a little more interest in large cap and value-oriented names and all things equal. The marginal dollars seem to be flowing there for the moment. But, but on balance, it's really about – Again, staying in line with your long-term objectives and um, not overreacting in, in either direction. I, well, I'm not pounding the table because you got to buy aggressively, but I'm also not pounding the table in a panic. This is a, this is a correction. It's, this isn't the end of the bull market. Well, go ahead. Well, and the only thing I was going to say is you know, part of my long-term <laughs> strategy is I want to also preserve capital. I don't want to lose, you know, and I understand you shouldn't be actively moving, but I do wonder if there is a more cautious stance to be t- to be taken at this point? Well, evidence shows once you get a real inflation-adjusted rate of return on cash, volatility picks up. Um, you've got a, a, an attractive return now on Treasury bills, two and a quarter, one month right. out, 2.7 one year out. Cash is a real asset at this point. It's a real rate of return, even net of inflation. By definition, I've got to feel that much better about owning risk in order to take the risk to get compensated. So, yeah, it, it makes me make sure I really want that much risk because cash is actually becoming more attractive. Um, but I would assert when I look at the stock market in the U.S., again, if I'm paying um, 16 times earnings, that's effectively saying I'm getting about 6.5% of earnings returned to me as the owner of a business. That's my yield, whether I pay myself a dividend or reinvest in the business. That's a big spread between what's you know, two per two, a little over 2% in cash or what's a little over 3% in a bond. That's a big enough spread that stocks are still attractive. They're less attractive relative to bonds and cash than they were a year ago, but they're still attractive enough to, enough to still be there. That's, and, my, that's our opinion here. And, and Alan, Carol's mentioned uh, – previously on the show today that before too long we're going to start to see uh, corporate earnings come at us again for the fourth quarter and, and in many cases uh, for the full year. What do you need to see and what do you expect to see that may make you continue to be a little uh, bullish or to make you pull back? I want to I want to hear what the executives are saying on the conference call. I really want to hear to the degree that they feel comfortable that uh, there's a confidence level leading into next year that sales can continue, that their costs aren't getting uh, out of balance, that if rates have gone up, is that going to pressure their profit margins? Are they seeing wage inflation, or can they retain profit margins? I think they can, but I need to hear that and the guidance to give, not just the number they post, but what they see for the forthcoming year. I agree with you. I feel like that's what I'm waiting for. You know, I think in a uh, – mid-January is when we start to get here from the big banks, and I think what we start to hear in earnings season uh, from the CEOs will help give some direction to this market, because I think I think investors, to some extent, are a little bit lost right now and trying to make sense out of everything. I would agree with that. One piece of good news, we've had 17, uh, since 1946, 17 12-month periods following a midterm election before you get to the presidential election cycle. In all 17 years, the S&P had a positive rate of return. And what that tells me is presidential administrations generally want the economy looking good during and into the election. The stock market is a forward-looking mechanism and anticipates that. It goes up in the year in advance of the year where the election is taking place. So if history is a guide, we'll end up okay for the next 12 months. Do you think history is a guide here, Alan? Because, you know, we've also gotten used to a Santa Claus rally. And, you know, I've heard uh, and we've seen ourselves exactly what you said about post uh, midterms. But I I think it's safe to say this is a different sort of administration and a different sort of uh, political and geopolitical world that we're living in. So how much do you worry that history may not repeat itself this time? 
Uh, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Look, I think this market's got two issues. Number one, how many more times is the Fed going to raise rates? The language are coming out now, and you'll see this hopefully on the 19th. It's not about the fact they raise the rate another quarter percent. It's the language. Will they start to be data dependent, which is code word for we're not going to raise rates automatically? That would be a positive. The other issue is this China trade war. You've got to break that down. There's, there's two pieces. There's a shorter-term economic war, which is the trade deficit. There's a longer-term technology, national security, cold war brewing. There, if you ask me, China can't endure a lot of pain on its economy, and the, the administration probably wants to get reelected. I think they're going to resolve the economic trade deficit tariff issue, whether it's 90 days or six months, they're going to get that resolved. What's more pernicious, and I can't tell you how it's going to resolve, is I think you have a longer-lasting uh, Cold War brewing. Uh, China, you know, The U.S. doesn't want China ripping off its technology and ideas. The flip side is China wants to be hmm. independent with respect to development technology. That's a longer-term issue, right. two, three, four, five, seven, ten years down the road. It's not this year's issue. Right. And even if, you know, they're going to delay this made in China, you know, from 2025 to 2035, I mean, I think most folks say China's made some promises before, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to carry out that. So a lot to be still known on that front. Alan Zafrin, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a great uh, rest of your evening. Alan Zafrin is Senior Managing Director, Wealth Manager at First Republic Private Wealth Management. Joining us on the phone from Palo Alto, California. What? All right, I, I just got to tell you, I just tweeted it out. The Blackstone holiday video He's been chuckling nonstop. Uh, is must-watch video. It is based on the television show The Office, which is a favorite at mm-hmm. my house. Uh, it has been binge-watched by my younger son many, many, many times. And John Gray, who has this reputation as being one of the nicest guys on Wall Street, loses it and goes all Michael Scott in this parody video. They worked very, very hard on this. It is worth watching, and I will say it is the far most read story on the Bloomberg Terminal over the last hour. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.